Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online, I hope that you are enjoying what is close to summer vacation. I know uh, yesterday I was at a softball game, uh, the Sutter girls, they won the section championship, so that was cool. And then um, Matt, you guys, a lot of you guys know Matt Lynch, he is the coach for the Yuba City track team. And if you follow Matt on social media, you'll see that, man, several kids qualified. There were some school records broken yesterday. And so, man, we've got, uh, we've got some great athletes in our church, and we're excited about what God has for them over this next week as they both the softball team and the uh, track team compete in state. So, so we'll see what happens. Next week uh, is one of our favorite weekends. We, and we do this uh, several times a year, but one of the favorite things that we get to do uh, at City Walk Church is celebrate with people when they go public with their faith. And so next week we have baptism. And if you've never been to baptism at City Walk, we have a horse trough. And it's a clean one. No horses have ever drank out of it that we know of. Uh, but we have, and we, after service, go out here and we celebrate with people that just want to let the world know that they are followers of Jesus. And so next week, we've got a few people getting baptized. If you're here and you think, oh, man, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to take that step. I've, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I haven't taken that step yet to just publicly profess that I'm a follower of him. You can go on the app in the announcements. You can sign up. You can go on our website, Next Steps, and sign up. And you need to do that probably in about the next day or two. And Pastor Steve will contact you, and, uh, and, and we can get you set up because it is, it is fun. We'll do communion next week. We'll do baptism. Uh, it'll be a really good time uh, next weekend. So make sure you're here, and uh, we'll be here to celebrate with some folks that are going public. So this summer, probably like you, and I know we got some students in here that literally have a few days left in school, and then we got a few students that it's still a couple weeks away, but man, everybody is closing in on the summer. We got some teachers in the room that uh, are feeling it too, and it's like, man, we are closing in on the end, and, and as we get ready for the summer, uh, probably your family, like ours, you're maybe getting ready for summer vacation, maybe you got some things planned, maybe for you, kids aren't going to be in school, so it's going to be a little bit maybe more laid back mornings, and not going to have to be like prodding your kids out of bed to get them to school. And so maybe a little bit more laid back schedule. And then for, for some of you that, man, you enjoy reading, you probably are, at least in your mind right now, you think, oh, I'm going to get a couple of those books read that I've been wanting to read. And so maybe you're even putting together a little bit of a summer reading list. One of the books that I'm looking forward to reading this summer uh, is a book that I read about over 10 years ago, the first time, and it's a book called Good to Great. Uh, if you, you, you may have seen it, uh, it was written by a guy by the name of Jim Collins, 
And Jim Collins, he actually did a research project at Stanford with a bunch of uh, students and the department there. And what they did, and this, the, the whole book is about this, he followed companies for several years, and he compared companies that took the leap from like, okay companies to man, they became great companies, household names that you would know of, and then other companies that were in a same, the same position, but yet they didn't take the leap. For instance, you've heard of a, a company called Walgreens. That you, every other street corner you drive down, there's a Walgreens pharmacy. Well, there was also a, a company called Ecker Drugstores that was, man, back 20, 25 years ago, man, they were the same. They were on the street corners, but guess what? You don't see any Eckerds anymore. You see a ton of Walgreens. So, so he, what he did is he said, hey, what did Walgreens do that Eckerds didn't? And he compares a bunch of different companies. And one of the things that he found, there were several things he found that the companies that took the leap from good to great, several things they had in common. But one of the things he said was this, that the companies that took the leap from good to great were companies that were willing to face the brutal facts. And the companies that didn't do well were companies that would never really be honest about where they really were. And whether you're a business person or not, that, that makes sense. You think, man, whether it's, whether it's a business, whether it is a company, a school, a church, or even in your individual life, if we don't have a good picture of where we really are, whether it's good or bad, it's hard to move forward. And that's what Jim, he found out about these companies is the ones that went from good to great. One of the things they had in common was where they were, they were able and willing to look in the mirror and really take a look at where they really were. And and, and like I said, that makes sense. But, but let's be honest, think about, take it away from a company or a school or a church and, and think about our own life. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to really look in the mirror and say, hey, these are the areas of my life where, man, I'm not doing so good. Like, like we don't like to do that, man. If things are going good in our life, man, we love to share about that. It's like, let me get that on Instagram. Let me post it. Life is good. I need to let the world know about it. But if there's areas of our life that aren't as good or, man, they're just not going the way we want them to, we don't even want to admit it to ourselves, let alone let the world know about it. But yet, and this is something that whether you're a follower of Christ or not, this is something that's just true. When we're willing to be honest about where we really are, we actually place ourselves in the best position for God's help. Let me say that again. When we're willing to be honest about where we really are, we actually place ourselves in the best position for God's help. And there was a guy in Scripture that you've heard of, whether you grew up in church or not, a guy by the name of David. And David, he was a guy that understood this well, I think. David was a guy that, again, even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard of this guy. He was a guy that was a shepherd. Kind of that's how he was brought up. He would kind of help take care of the family's sheep. And then you've probably heard that there was a time in his life where he actually killed this giant named Goliath. You've heard of that? 
And then eventually the shepherd who killed Goliath and maybe a lion or a bear somewhere in there and and did some other things, he actually ended up becoming the second king of Israel. But another thing that David was really good at and and something that, that he was one of those guys that could do a lot of things was he was actually really good at writing poetry, music, and playing music. It was something he was good at. And many of the songs that he wrote we have in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms. And, and by far, the, the psalm and the writing, that, the, the piece of writing that he wrote that is by far the most popular in all of the Old Testament, maybe in the entire Bible, is Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23, you've probably heard parts of that in a rap song somewhere along the way. You, you've, heard it, you've heard it in movies, whether you've ever been to church before. You, you've heard parts of Psalm 23. It's just something that, that you almost learn without even wanting to. You just hear parts of it being talked about. And Psalms 23, is, as David writes, this is a, a song that he wrote. We, we understand that David, even from this psalm, was willing to admit where he was weak because he compared himself to a sheep. And so we know this. We, we know that David, he was a guy that was willing to admit his weaknesses and his need. And he did it in Psalm 23 by comparing himself to a sheep. And, and when you look at that sheep, you think, oh, we, we should get a few of those for the backyard. Those are cute. They're so cute and, you know, cute and all. My wife's probably looking at this. Oh, she's in the preschool today, but she loves animals. I mean, we'd have three or four of these in the backyard probably if it was up to her. Because you look and it's like cute. Well, David, he was a shepherd, so he, he knew the good, bad, and ugly about these things. And to put it nicely, a sheep is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Sheep, they're, they're probably as cute as can be, I'm sure, but, but they're, not, they're not great animals. They're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. In fact, David understood a lot about sheep, which made his comparison to sheep really, a, a, he was humble to even do that because here's what David knew. David knew, and don't be offended by me using this word, David knew that sheep are dumb. Like dumb's probably a, a nice word. They're, they're, just, they're just not smart animals. I was, I was reading about them this week, and this is an actual news story that I read about. I'll just read you what was in the news story. And, and if you think sheep are smart by the end of this, then, you know, then we have something to talk about about you too. But here we go. Hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths this week, while shepherds looked on in dismay. 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their death in a ravine in the Van province near Iran. But here's the good part. But the 400 that died actually broke the fall of the other 1,100 that fell off, and they survived. Shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free. The loss to local farmers is estimated at $74,000. Sheep are not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Shepherd's just trying to have breakfast, and, and, you know, little sheep guy here, he says, yeah, let's just take a walk over. Whoops. And then, oh, whoa, most people would say, oh, wow, one person died. Let's not go over there. Not sheep. 
They just like, oh, follow the leader and just pop, pop. So, I mean, sheep are not smart. Another thing that David knew that really, when he compares himself to a sheep, it, it again, it shows his humility is he understands that, man, sheep are directionless. Sheep, they're prone to wander. Even if you put them in an absolutely perfect environment where all their needs are met, sooner than later, they're going to wander off. And if a shepherd doesn't micromanage them, they'll wander off and get lost. That's just what sheep do naturally. They're dumb, they're directionless, and then, then they're also, they're defenseless. Like if a sheep, other animals that have been domesticated, you can kind of put them back in the wild and they can kind of fend for themselves and figure it out. If you put a sheep back in the wild, you're basically giving nature a snack. Because sheep, they can't take care of themselves. They don't growl. They don't bark. They don't have fangs. They, they, you know, other animals have defense. They don't have a rattle on their tail to scare you off. They don't have anything. Like when sheep are in danger, they gather, they run around, and they hope you pick their friend off before you get to them. They run around in panic. This is, what, this is just true about sheep. And David knew this. He, he could have chosen a lion to talk about. He could have chosen a, a, a dove, you know, beautiful dove. He could have chosen a, a cheetah, a serpent. But instead, he compares himself to a sheep who he knew a lot about. And with that in mind, here's what he said. In Psalms 23, verse 1, he says this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. In ancient Near East, kings would, they would talk about people and the people that they oversaw, they would talk about them as, as being their shepherd. All the way back in Genesis in the Old Testament, God's referred to as a shepherd. If you look into the New Testament, Jesus refers to himself as the shepherd. And David, as he he's writes, he starts this song and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. It's a very personal, it's, he's my shepherd. And then he says this, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He's saying, you know what? I don't lack anything. Sheep are 100% dependent on their shepherd. And because of who David's shepherd was, his needs were met. And, and here's the cool, here's the cool thing. If you read through David's story, you see that, man, David experienced this in the past. He could point back. David was experiencing God and his shepherd meeting his needs in the present. And David was confident that God would do the same in the future. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack. I have all that I need. And David may have remembered back to a time when he was a young teenager and he was a young teenager that was taking care of sheep and, and was asked by daddy to go take a field trip to visit his brothers who were in the army. And so David, he went and he took this field trip to, to go see his brothers. And when he got to see his brothers who were in the army, he heard about this guy by the by name of Goliath who had challenged the army of Israel, who had challenged them, who had talked about their God, who had insulted their God. And he watched as his brothers, the whole army, and even the king was afraid of this Goliath, this giant. And so David, who had no business fighting Goliath, he had no skill set that, I mean, he didn't even compare. 
You know the story, whether you grew up in church or not. David took on this giant Goliath. And not in and of himself, but only because his shepherd provided everything he needed. And so David, as he's, as he's writing this, he's probably thinking back to several times in his life where the Lord, his shepherd, met every single need he had. So he was confident. And then he goes on in verse 2, and he says this. He says, I I have all I need. And then he says this. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And again, something that David would have known, that for a sheep, anything but calm water would scare them and had the potential to put them in danger. And so David says, because God is my shepherd and he knows me, he's able to lead me to places of rest and nourishment for my soul. You know this. It doesn't matter where, you're, where you stand as it relates to faith, whether you're watching online or not. Our world is in a pursuit of rest. Our our world and people in the world, we are are pursuing rest and nourishment for our souls. And and we try a lot of things. We, We try everything under the sun to fill the gap and to fill the hole in our heart because there's, there's something inside us that's churning and we want rest. We want nourishment for our soul. And, and David, he, he understood this. And he says, David says, my, my shepherd who knows me, who I trust, he leads me to places where I find that rest, that nourishment. And think about David's life. David's life was not like problem free. Like, David, there were several seasons of his life that he was literally running for his life. Day after day, he was running for his life. And so it wasn't that David was saying this from the the palace where his life had always been perfect and easy. No, no, David knew what it was like to have circumstances around him that, that were worrisome and dangerous. And yet he says, in the midst of all the circumstances, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes, he encourages, he nourishes my soul. I trust my shepherd. But then he goes on. After he talks about the the nourishment and the refreshment, he he says this, he says, he renews my strength. Another word would be restores. He, He gives me strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. See, David knew himself. And if you read the story of David, you know that David didn't always go down the right track. And there were times in David's life where he did not listen to the good shepherd. And there were times in his life that that David would look back on and say, man, I wish I would have never made that decision. I wish I would have listened to the good shepherd here because there were times in David's life that were tragic because of his choices. But as he's writing this in, in this moment of his life, he says, he, his shepherd renews, restores my soul. David knew about himself. He knew that on his own, he would go down the wrong path. But he, he says this. He says, my shepherd, he leads me down paths that are good for me and that bring glory to his name. 
You think about it. Left to ourselves, and maybe you're more confident in yourself than I am in myself. Left to ourselves, we don't naturally veer towards the right. Like, like we don't naturally lean towards good. Like, if we're going to veer off anyway, it's not, we don't usually veer off to good things. We, we usually, if, if we're drifting in an area, we're not drifting to become more like Jesus. If we're going to drift off, it, we're going to drift off in a way that's not good for us. It's not a good place. It doesn't bring glory to his name. And David says, man, my shepherd who I know, who I trust, he, he, he restores, he gives me strength, and he leads me down paths that are good for me and that bring glory to his name. And that is a important, like we should think about that. If I'm going down a path and it's not bringing glory to God's name, I'm probably, not probably, I'm not going down the right path. And David says, man, my shepherd, he knows me. I trust him. He leads me down the right paths. And as I go down the right paths, it's actually really good for me. But it actually is, brings glory to his name as well. And then David says this, and this is the phrase that you've heard in rap songs, probably. You've heard it said, like, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're starting to sing a song in your mind. Well, this is CSB, so it's a, this version's a little different. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, even when I walk through the darkest valley, here's what David says, I will not be afraid. See, life for a sheep, and we've already talked a little bit about it, was it, it was a dangerous life. I mean, there were a lot of predators that, man, when they, they wanted an easy dinner, it was like, well, dude, sheep, that's easy. So there were predators that would take a sheep out as quick as they could. There were ravines, and, and, and if you've ever kind of studied where David was at, it wasn't like all flat land. Like there were places sheep could fall, and, and there was dangerous things. But, but here's what David's saying. He's saying, you know what? Even when I'm in those dark spots, I'm not afraid. And it's not that I'm not afraid because there's no danger or there's no valleys or there's no shadows. The reason I'm not afraid actually has nothing to do with that. The reason I'm not afraid is because of who is my shepherd. He says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. If you studied shepherds back then and you you hear David talk about a rod and a staff. So this rod that he's talking about is is really kind of like a stick with kind of a fat kind of end on it, almost like a club. And and that rod was the thing that man protected the sheep. Like you get hit with that rod, you're going to remember David really well if you're still even alive because that rod it's it was there to protect and so a shepherd would have a rod that would protect the sheep but then not only would he have a rod but he would have and this is probably what you've seen if you've ever been a shepherd in the play like you have this staff you have this this staff that usually had a hook on it and this was this was more for guiding and for you know if a sheep started to kind of get out of the path they would use it to kind of put the sheep back or if the sheep actually fell they would use that hook to to pick that sheep up and put it back on the right path and so david as he's he's talking about god he says god i'm not afraid because you my good shepherd 
are close beside me. And David, remember, he, he knows this. He's walked a lot of miles with sheep. He, he's used that rod to protect. He's used that staff to, to get sheep on the right path, to pull them out of ravines, to protect them. And so he says, my shepherd, I have a shepherd just like that, a perfect shepherd. And he's watching. He's, he's watching to, to keep me safe. And, and he's also, man, when I start to, to fear or things start to happen, he's using that rod and that staff to, to comfort and to protect me. And, and then what David does is he's, he's talked about these sheep and the shepherd and, and really talks about this shepherd as a, a, a protector. But then what he does at the very end of the psalm is he, he kind of transitions from talking about God as a protector to talking about God as a provider, and, and the scene kind of changes. The scene changes from this, this maybe field with sheep and mountains to a banquet hall. And then and, and the picture changes, and, and here's what David says. He says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And when we're talking about, like, this isn't college dorm ramen noodle, like, night. This is, this is a feast. This is like really good, awesome food. Like you prepare a, just a plush feast for me and you do it in the presence of my enemies. And that's a super interesting thought. And, and maybe you've studied this passage. Maybe you know what it means, but, but basically here's what David's saying. He's saying, my, my enemies, they're, they're still a reality but they are powerless to prevent the enjoyment of God's gracious hospitality and blessing. Like, oh yeah, I got enemies. Oh yeah, there's, there's things that want to stop me, but, but they're powerless when my shepherd is providing me with this banquet. Yeah, they, they might be around, but they can't do anything. They're powerless because my shepherd, my provider has prepared a feast for me. And it's in the presence of my enemies that can't do anything. They can't stop my shepherd. They have no power. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Oil was a, a symbol. It was a symbol. I mean, if you walked over to, if you went over to somebody's house today and they, they were, you know, hey, we're having a barbecue, summer barbecue, but before you can have your hamburger, come over here because I have to pour oil on your head. I'd be like, baby, did, did the babysitter call? I think the babysitter called. We got to go. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's not normal. But back, back here, this was, oil was a, a big part of their life. And, and what they would do is they would use oil for a lot of different things. But, but what David's talking about is he's talking about Oil that was a symbol of blessing. It was used for welcoming guests. It was something that you did as a way to be hospitable. And David says, and, and just imagine this. Like this, this, this blows me away. He says, you honor me. What? God honors me? My shepherd, my protector, my provider honors me? blesses me, anoints me, refreshes me. It's crazy. And David says, he says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup, man, it overflows with blessings. I can't even keep them in. 
You just keep blessing and blessing and blessing. And again, David's not talking about problem-free life because he's had problems. He's run for his life. He's had a lot of challenges. But he's talking about in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of even some of his bad decisions, in the midst of his enemies wanting to stop him. David's good shepherd honored him, blessed him to the point where it was just overflowing abundantly. Like, goodness, God, slow down. And then this is how he finishes. Verse 6, he says this, and and this is a a really cool and powerful way to end this. And, And this is what David says. He says, surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You look at the first part of that. He says, surely goodness and unfailing love will, he uses the word pursue. And and this is what he's saying. God's goodness, his love will aggressively and like aggressively chase down David. He's saying, your love, your blessing, your goodness is going to come after me. It's, he's, it's coming after me. The, the, the Hebrew it means it's aggressively coming after me. It's pursuing me. Like again, what's in it for God? Nothing. But yet David says, man, your love, your goodness, your blessing, it pursues, it chases me down. I cannot outrun it. You're so good to me, God. Your goodness, your mercy, your unfailing love. And he says this, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Basically he's saying, man, I'm going to be in fellowship with God. Intimate fellowship with God. Forever. That was David's heart. That's what he wanted. That's what was provided for him. Through God and through what God was doing. See, see David, he understood. He understood like sheep, he needed a shepherd. David understood that he needed the loving, firm, thoughtful guidance of a good shepherd. He knew that. And if we were choosing an animal, I mean, think about it. If we were choosing an animal to be compared to, would we choose a sheep? I mean, mean, who wants to admit we need guidance? Who wants to admit we have fear? Who wants to admit that we don't always make the best decisions? Is anybody like, yes. Put, put me on the poster. Now, like we might feel that way, but we don't want to be known for that. Like, yeah, I'm the guy that makes terrible decisions by himself. You know, I, I'm the guy who needs guidance. I'm the guy that, man, I've got, I'm afraid of a lot of things. I, nobody knows about it, but I have fear and anxiety and I will go down the wrong path sometimes if I'm left to myself. That's me. I'm the poster child. Nobody wants to be known for that. We don't want to be known as a sheep. But here's the the thing, somewhere along the way, and shame on the church if we've been part of this, somewhere along the way, we have given off this message and we have begun to believe this, this lie that admitting weakness is weak. Somewhere along the way, and I'm not blaming the church, I'm just, if the church has been ever part of that, I would, I hate that, but, 
But somewhere along the way, we have come to this belief or this, maybe we wouldn't say it out loud, but we feel this way, that if we admit weakness, we're weak. If we admit that we can't handle it, we're weak. If we admit we have to go to counseling, we're weak. Somewhere along the way, we've started to believe that lie. Where when we come to church, it's like we have to fake everybody out. David's saying, no, 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 no. I need a shepherd because I'm stupid. I'm directionless. I'm defenseless. I'll run down the wrong path every day, all day if I'm allowed to. See, we've come to this belief that admitting weakness is weak when actually admitting weakness is one of the most courageous things you can do. Which leads me to to a couple questions I want to throw out to you, whether you're online or whether you're here this morning. I want to ask you a couple questions as we begin to finish this thing up. And and they're pretty simple questions, but I I don't want you to answer them in your mind quickly and with a surface quick answer. I want you to think about it. Here's the first question. Do you need a shepherd? Again, don't, don't do the quick, oh yeah, yeah, that's what the Bible, no, no, no. I want you to look in the mirror. Not really, don't, don't get your like, mirror up, but just for yourself, like who you really are. And I want you to think about like, do I really need a shepherd? On my own, will I veer? On my own, am I afraid? On my own, and, and you fill in the blank. But, but do you, maybe, maybe for you, and I, be honest with yourself. Because again, if, if we're not willing to admit where we're really at, we're, we're really never, we're just going to pretend the rest of our life. But do I need a shepherd? And if the answer is no, God bless you. Man, good for you. Write a book, I'll read it, because I need one. So, so do you need a shepherd? If, and if your answer is yes, I would push back with this. Why? 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 Don't make it like just a pat. Oh, yeah, of course I need a shepherd. No. Why do you need a shepherd? Are you afraid? Do you struggle with anxiety? Will you go down a wrong path? Like, why do you need a shepherd? Where will you veer off? David was honest. Why? And here's the second question. And and maybe this is uh, maybe the tougher question. Here's the question. Do you trust God to be your shepherd? And again, think before you answer. Do you trust God to guide you, to protect you, to provide for you? Do I need a shepherd? And and is God that shepherd that I need? Like, do I really trust God? Does God have, have the wheel of my life? Am I sitting in the passenger seat, enjoying conversation and enjoying the journey with my Savior, my shepherd? Or am I sitting in the passenger seat, nervous as a cat, stressed out and arguing with God on every turn he makes? Like, like you, you can do both things, but we've probably all done them. Like, do I, do I sit in the passenger seat with God and maybe God has the wheel, but I'm like, no, 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 don't go that way, don't go that way, I'm nervous. Or do I sit in that passenger seat with the shepherd at the wheel of the car And do I trust him? Do I enjoy the journey? Do I enjoy that conversation? Do I enjoy intimacy with him? Or am I inside fighting every place he's trying to get me to move and go? Do I need a shepherd? And do I trust God to be my shepherd? See, David, he understood that God was a good shepherd who loved him, 
and who knew what was best. And again, David, David knew that the hurt that came with ignoring, he, 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 he had, if you read through David's life, you'll see that David knew the hurt that life would bring if you didn't follow the good shepherd. I mean, David, at different times in his life, he, I mean, he had some huge blunders, but there were other things that maybe we don't know as much about, but there were other times in his life that he made bad decisions that cost him and cost a lot of people. So, so there were, it's not like David's like, hey, I'm a perfect guy, perfect example. No, David, he knew, even this guy that wrote Psalms 23, he didn't follow it perfectly. He didn't believe it perfectly. He didn't trust God. So I want you to think about this as we close. How would this week, think about your week about to come home. How would this week look different if in the midst of the ups and downs of life, you leaned in the, into the good shepherd for his loving guidance? What if, what if just for a week you're like, you know what, I've been anxious, anxiety, lots of things happening in my life. I've wanted to grab the wheel or I've, I've you know, tried to move it because I just don't know if I totally trust God. What if just this week you said, you know what, I'm going to lean into the good shepherd's love and guidance and I'm going to trust that his way is best. What would it look like this week? Let's even take a longer view. What if you were, for the rest of your life, willing to admit your need and lean into the good plan your shepherd has? What would the long-term impact be on the people you love the most? What would the long-term impact be on your family if you leaned into your shepherd? For some of you, you've seen it happen the other way. And you've been hurt your life has been impacted, not necessarily in a good way, because someone else in your life never was willing to admit their weaknesses, never was willing to admit their need, never was willing to admit that they needed God, and, and never leaned in to what God had. And so you, you've seen that. For some of you, you, you felt that. You have been impacted. Some of you, you've been scarred because people in your life have come to a spot where they've, they've never really been willing to say, hey, this is where I'm weak. This is where I have need. I need a shepherd. Whether they were a follower of Christ or not, you felt that impact. And here's the thing. Your life and my life is going to impact those we love the most. So we're either going to impact them by leaning into the good shepherd and admitting with humility, here's where I need, have needs. And, and when we lean in, seeing that he provides that. Or we're going to impact those we love the most by saying, you know what, I'm going to go my own way and I'm going to just be more disciplined and I'm going to try to fix this thing myself. And, and you're going to leave a mess in some people's lives because of that. And, and you've seen that. You've seen people in your life that have done that. So here's the thing. You and I, we have a good shepherd. We have a good shepherd who loves us perfectly, who wants to guide us through life. He knows the ups and downs that are coming. But the bottom line is the ball's in our court. Are we going to lean into the good shepherd? Or are we going to go our own way? Are we going to face the, the, the valleys? Are we going to face the good times? Are we going to face the, 
the blessings, the enemy, all the things that David had in his life. Are we going to face that on our own? Or are we going to face that under the loving care of a good shepherd? It's really up to us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As we close, I ask you a question. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're, we're finishing up, and maybe you're watching online. And here's that question again. I want you to think about it for yourself. Do you need a shepherd? Do you need a shepherd? And why? If the answer is yes, why? What, why do you need a shepherd? See, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, are you spending time with your good shepherd? Are you following his guidance? Probably if you're honest, you would say sometimes. And then there's probably other times in your life that you'd say, you know what? No, I haven't been. And here's my, here's my question as we close. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're watching online or not, what area of your life are you fighting your good shepherd's guidance? You say, Chris, I need a shepherd. Yep. Yeah, Chris, I, I, I believe God can be that good shepherd. So think about your own life. Is there, maybe there's not, but is there an area in your life? Is there a relationship? Is there something going on at work? Is there something in the marriage? Is there something as parenting? Is there just some decisions that, that you, you feel yourself fighting against the guidance of your good shepherd? You're telling yourself lies to justify stuff. And my question for you is this, would you be willing to trust him in that area and obey would you be willing to I've been fighting I've been fighting I haven't been trusting would you be willing to just you know wave the white flag and say God all right I'm gonna trust you I'm gonna trust you in this area that I've been fighting you in I'm gonna obey you you're the good shepherd maybe you're here or you're watching online and you would say Chris I, I don't have a relationship with God there's, if you're honest, you'd, you'd say, Chris, I've, I've been kind of trying to just manage life on my own and trying to do what's right and just trying to kind of figure it all out on my own. But if Chris, if I was honest, man, I, I haven't figured it out. And there's still something missing. Here's the thing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're somebody here that says, I don't have a relationship with God, I'm kind of struggling to figure this whole thing out. You don't have to figure this thing out alone if you don't want to. You don't have to manage life all by yourself. God has provided a way for you to have a relationship with him. And one of the things he provides you in that relationship is guidance. You say, Chris, how, how would I start a relationship with God? Well, you'd have to be willing to admit that you can't do it yourself. Are you willing to do that? You're watching online. Are you, you willing to admit that, God, I, I can't do this on my, my own. I've, I've tried to do it my own way. I've disobeyed you, and, and the Bible calls that sin. I've sinned. I've, I've tried to do it my way, and it hasn't worked. you willing to admit that? you willing to believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for you? And then are you willing to just come to him? Just come to him just with humility and say, Jesus, man, 
I want a relationship with you. I want you to transform me. I want your guidance. If you're here or you're watching online and you'd say, yes, I, I want to do that, Chris. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just, just tell God in your heart. We, we call it prayer when we tell God what's in our heart. Just say to God, not, not out loud, but just in your heart. Just say, God, I admit to you I've sinned. I admit to you I've tried to do it my way. Just tell him. He already knows. Then just tell him. Tell him, I believe. I believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for me. And then just invite him. Just in your own words. Say, hey, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. I want to follow you. Just tell him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today or you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, I... I made the decision to follow Jesus today. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a little decision card. Fill that out. We'd love to rejoice with you. We'd love to know about your decision. If you're here with us this morning, you can, you can go to citywalk.cc and, and do the same thing or you can just take the decision card right in front of you. Just fill that out. Put it in the offering basket on the way out. We, we want to know what God's doing in your life. We want to rejoice with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, I'm grappling with an area of my life that I'm not listening to the Good Shepherd in. I'm grappling. I need prayer. There's a prayer card right in front of you as well. We would love to pray for you this week. We have a team of people that pray for every one of those requests. And so fill that out, put it in the offering basket, and we will commit to pray for you. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to figure it out our own, on our own. We don't have to guide ourselves. We have to trust. We have to trust our good shepherd. And so, Lord, I pray as we all struggle with fighting your guidance sometimes, I pray that we would lean into the Good Shepherd and that we would follow your good and beautiful plan in Jesus' name.